0: Shout
1: out to that guy. The major stick. Oh my goodness. It's professional wrestling. Change 24, right up. Championship. A thousand percent. Confirmed. M-m-mage. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. <laughs> M-m-m-m-m-m-mage ma 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 mut mut ma Mut 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 ma ma mut mut ma Mut 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 ma 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 oh, I'm sorry.
0: oh, oh, I'm sorry. oh. oh.
1: guy, I like th- delicious chicken. It was Rapat. It was repugged. It's professional, it's professional. Wrestling. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world's number one sports and recreation podcast, Cheap Heat. There's something going on, believe me. On this Friday, that's right. Very, very, very excited. Um, okay, we're going to get to an interview right now. I got a big show. I, can I be on? I got a big show. We got a big one. Um, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the great Miss Hatton on the show. Hopefully, Natalie will use her sexy voice when we hear from her. We all know everyone loves that. Uh, we're three weeks from the wedding tomorrow, by the way. But before we get into talking to my uh, betrothed, uh, let's talk to a young WWE superstar who I've never had a real conversation with before. Um, he is the cor- he is of course a second generation superstar, the son of rick steiner the nephew of scott steiner the two-time former nxt champion conversation with braun breaker the great braun breaker joining us today braun how you doing man i'm great how are you Uh, i'm good dude you you excited for the uh for a title match against seth rollins on tuesday
2: yeah I, i can't wait man this is um biggest match of my life biggest moment of my life um it can't get any, the stakes can't get any higher than they are. And I'm excited.
1: Um, Have you and Seth ever been in the ring together? Am I missing a time when that's happened?
2: Nope, never.
1: So like you've literally never even like rolled around with them. Nothing's ever happened. You never have shared a ring with them in any way. Never. Wow. That's got to be a cool feeling, man. This is a guy who like, I think regardless of what, is going on with like Seth as a character, you know, like right now he's obviously back on top in a big way, but I feel like he's one of those guys that wherever he is on the card, he, he's someone we all know is going to be a hall of famer all time. Great. Like he's just the man.
2: Yeah, he is the man. Um, he's, you know, he's the best in the world right now, you know, in my opinion. And he's just, uh, he's, he's the top, you know, he's the standard. He's the top. Um, and I, I just, I want to know what, what it's like to go against the best. I want to know what it's like to be in a ring and to be in a fight with Seth Rollins. You know, I I want to, uh, you know, that's my next challenge. I feel like I've, I've, you know, I'm a two-time NXT champion. I've beaten everybody. You know, it's, it's, I think it's just time for me to, to have that challenge.
1: I know you've been asked this before, but and I want to go back and just talk some about your life. But before we do that, um, I, obviously people have chatted about, and everyone always does. You know, when, when is the right time for someone to leave NXT and end up on SmackDown or Raw? We just went through a draft. There certainly was some expectation because you lost the title at Stand and Deliver to Carmelo that maybe the time would be now. Um, so I, I'm obligated to ask you, was there a level of disappointment there? And why do you think now was not the time?
2: No, I, there's no disappointment or anything. Um, you know, I uh, and me being a heel now is, is the best thing that I've done. I'm having so much fun. It's more natural for me. Um, this is just uh, such a better Version of me, you know, um, I'm having the time of my life right now. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not worried about whether I'm going up, I'm getting drafted. That's just not something I I worry about or think about. Um, You know, when my time comes, it'll come. That's it.
1: Do you feel like there are parts of your game that you know you still need to work on? I asked this to Carmelo a few weeks ago. Is there anything out there that you like? Hey, I'd really like to improve here, here, and here. I know I, even though NXT is on tv every week on usa and it's a big deal it's a place for you to still do work do you see those specific things that you know you'd like to improve on
2: oh absolutely i mean i think just my my entire overall package can be improved um i don't think i can ever stop improving you know or trying to improve that um you know and i I think um you know some aspects of the game it's just going to take time take reps you know take just being a seasoned athlete you know just those reps night after night after night on the road um you know that's when some of these things come and and uh, i'm I'm very much looking forward to it
1: um so you are you're twenty five yes sir um so that's let's do some math here twenty five years old would take us back to nineteen ninety eight what was going on around in your dad's career and your uncle's career around the time that you were becoming conscious Conscious in any way of pro wrestling?
2: Um, uh, man, I I want to say my dad it was he was either late WCW or he was in Japan. Um,
1: let's see, I'm sure I can find the exact timeline of that. Yeah. I'm but what, what's really your What's scared. the first What's the first memory? Do you have a first memory of 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 seeing your dad in a yeah, pro wrestling I mean, light? When
2: he, you know, like 2000 six, seven, somewhere in that ballpark was when the first time I remember him like going and and wrestling and then me watching it on TV like, you know, the next day or whatever. That was, uh, you know, really the first recollection or first time I got to like see it. Um, I'm sure before that I I grew up with the action figures and watched, you know, whatever, but tapes and and whatnot. But um, that was really the first time you know, it was like oh six, oh seven. That that time frame. I'm not really sure when, you know, but, you know, him, my Uncle Scott, you know, that's uh that's where I really started to like kind of see what they do, you know, and then the rest is history from there, you know.
1: So were you too little? You're, I guess you're a little too little to have live remembered your uncle's run in WWE. That was like, you were like right. four years old, five, four or yeah. five years old.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't
1: remember. And and it looks like that yeah, they wrapped up in WCW around around 2001. So did you um did you later go back and sort of revisit their their career in a real way?
2: Yeah, I I still do. Um I go back and watch old stuff all the time, you know, like matches, promos, just everything, you know? Uh, um you know, cuz I want to be a student of the game and continue to learn and try to, you know, Watch some things that they did, some things their opponents, you know, Doom, Sting, Lex Luger, mean, just, like, the Nasty Boys. Like, I could go on, you know what I mean? The Road Warriors. I mean, um, I just, I love watching those matches and, and those, those promos and just, uh, you know, all that. Because I'm a student of the game. I want to learn. And, you know, I, I love watching the film.
1: Have you watched uh, one that's been moving around more recently? It popped up in like a WWE doc, and it was originally, I think, from a house show, but it was a tape match um, of your your dad and your uncle versus Bret and Owen. You, you watch that one at all? No, uh, that's it's it's awesome.
2: Did I hadn't seen, dude.
1: I I hadn't seen it until within the last year. Awesome. Like I think the whole thing's on YouTube. Um, look around for it. Dude, yeah. It's a clinic. I mean, it's, it's, your, yeah. it's, those, it's the Steiners, Brett and Owen. It's just like literally four people who basically, I mean, you won't find four who know how to do it much better. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, awesome. I, I, I have to check that out for sure. How, 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 uh, was it crazy having uh Scott Steiner as an uncle? I mean, uh, let's just be fully transparent here. Outside impression of Scott Steiner is, uh, just put it mildly. That's a wild boy. I think some people would say. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, I love my uncle Scotty, man. Um, you know, him, him and I have been close for a very long time. Um, man, he's just, he's, he's the best uncle, you know, in the world. I, we have so much. we used to have so much fun together, just like riding four wheelers and, and, um, you know, just, just doing stuff outside when I was younger and, you know, he's got a pool and we used to just go to, you know, swim at the pool and stuff and go to the lake and man, he was just, he was awesome.
1: Are are him and your dad, uh, much different in real life? Um, you know, they, they I guess they,
2: I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do know. That's, that's just, they're just two different, two different Cause on t- people. Cause on TV,
1: obviously Scott seemed like the one that was super out there and your dad seemed more like the workhorse. I mean, that was sort of the, the, the yeah. brand over the years.
2: Yeah. they They both have their own things that are unique to themselves. Um, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, I mean Scotty's a little bit more reserved, a little, you know, I guess, um, you know, a bit, a bit more quiet, hmm. you know, it's kind of, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, they're, they, they're just, they get their, they both get their own things. And there's some things from TV that, you know, were, were actually who they were in real life, just like little small things and stuff, which is uh, <laughs> it's pretty
1: funny. Do you, do you get calls from either of them, either of them call with any, with any regularity after matches on TV?
2: yeah yeah they uh they keep up with with what i'm with what i'm doing and um you know they watch my matches and they'll give me the critique and and things i need to improve or i need to do this maybe do this this way um you know it's always been that way it's it's great because i you know it gives me an opportunity to pick their brain and like see you know what they would have done you know in a situation you know like that or a match like that or you know, because they've been in, been there and done it, and they, they know. So, um, you know, they're, they're great, you know, for, for giving me advice and giving me pointers and stuff, And you know, and I've, you know, obviously I'm at the WWE Performance Center every day. I have that as well as an outlet. There's nothing better than that because we have everything there that you could possibly imagine. Is coaching.
1: there one person in particular there, one coach in particular, you, you spend a lot of time with and, and, and works with you quite a bit?
2: Yeah. Um, Man, I spent a lot of time with, you know, really with, with everybody. I mean, Fit Finley, Terry Taylor, Matt Bloom, um, Robbie Brookside, man, um, Norman Smiley. I mean, these guys, you know, Coach Mossy. I mean, er- everybody is just, you know, on a different, different level. They have so much wisdom and experience, and they've just – they've done it all. So, like, they – you know, it's it's the best teachers in the world. You know that we have access to. It's just uh, it doesn't get any better.
1: Um, uh, I mentioned this to Carmelo, and I'll throw it at you too. How nice is it having uh, Booker T around every week at, at TV? Have you gotten to have conversations? Has he ever pulled you aside and and, and bent your ear a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been great. Um, you know, Booker T is the man. Um, you know, he, obviously him and. and Booker T and Stevie Ray, a lot of history with Steiner brothers. They worked up and down the road, even before WCW. I'm pretty sure, you know, my dad said that, uh, you know, they they may have, they may have been coming up at the same time or like been in the same, uh, you know, organization at the same time before they got, you know, to to WCW. Um, You know, always phenomenal things to say about Booker T and Stevie Ray, Um, you know, all the funny stories and just great matches man they're uh it's it's been it's been super super great
1: so do you miss football at all like how how um was it hard moving on from football was that like i mean obviously i imagine that was your dream obviously people who make it to the level you made it to making it to the nfl essentially that is something you work on constantly your entire life so what's your relationship like with football now do you miss it
2: no i don't miss it um I just, you know, wrestling has always been my love, my dream, my passion, this. Really? Yeah, this is this has been it. Um, you know, I felt like I got closure with football. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I just, I did everything that there was to do. I competed at the highest level that you could go in the NFL. You know, and that's it. And I don't need to, uh, there's nothing else left for me to do in that area of my life. Um, you know, I was just... <laughs> to begin with, I was just waiting, you know, like, when's it going to be time? I'm ready to go wrestle. When's it going to be time? When's the time? And then like, you know, as soon as, you know, that like, I I was finished with the NFL. It was like, I had already been, you know, like the thought had already crossed my mind. I was ready to go. Like,
1: you know what I mean? Well, and you, you have an interesting career, right? You went to Kennesaw. You you weren't at you know, Florida State, right? So you had to know, I've made it really far. I got myself a full ride. The likelihood of getting to this thing is going to be really hard. The fact that you made it to getting signed, even if for a limited time, I yeah. imagine that must have be, yeah been a way to give you closure because coming from your school, I, I mean, I don't know if there's any history there prior to you. I can't imagine it's a, it's, it's a regular feeding situation right into the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a couple guys before – me that that came out and, and, um, signed with a couple of teams. Um, you know, we're a fairly new program as well. You know, we, we'd only been, you know, at that time when I, I think it was five years of existence Oh wow, as a a division one program. So we were brand new, you know, it was like the, the original people that started up the program were there when I, you know, it was with me and I was a part of that. So it was like pretty cool. Um, you know, I mean, Kennesaw State was was uh, a phenomenal experience, man. I loved playing there. It was Division One football. Um, I played against some great athletes. Yeah,
1: so what – so you – wait, you were what, Atlantic Sun? What conference were you uh, at? We were the Big South. You were Big South. So you were playing You were big-time players at Kennesaw yeah, State. Yeah. We
2: – I mean, Charleston Southern, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State beat uh, – you know, I'm pretty sure they beat Auburn. You know, while I was there – or Florida State, one of them. Um, you know, I mean, we, we we played against top-notch teams. South Dakota State is, is the top team in the country every single year. Um, you know, I mean, we played big-time football, you know, and we ran the, the triple option, which is old-fashioned football. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed playing in that system because it just, um, you know, it fit very well with the type of mentality and the type of player that I was.
1: You were a fullback?
2: And, uh, what's that? You were fullback? Yeah. I played fullback, like hybrid between like a fullback and a running back because, um, you know, like historically in that offense, we call it the two-back. Two-back really isn't like the main source of like where the ball is going to be or doesn't get that many touches per game because it's, you know, we want, you know, the eyes, we want people, defenses eyes to be wandering. And then before you know it, the ball has been pitched and it's behind you, and you don't know what the heck happened. Um, you know, and I think I changed that mold for our program during that time because, um, you know, historically it really wasn't something that, you know, like I said, two backs don't really get the ball that many times during the game. And it's not, not something we don't get that many opportunities. It's more, we're doing the dirty work, blocking, rolling over the ball, making people think you have it so that other people can have success. Um, you know, but I think with, you know, the skills and my dedication, hard work that I brought to the game, I got to change that. I mean, I've got multiple school records for rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, rushing. I mean, like all that stuff in a a single game. And that's just unheard of at that position.
1: Do you Um, ever still, do you ever catch yourself having a dream or daydream about some of the great moments from that? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to make you Al Bundy, you know, scoring four touchdowns at Paul Kai, you know, but do you ever have that moment? <laughs> those are, those, because those are special moments for sure. Yeah,
2: they are. They are. Um, you know, I think, think back to Missouri State 2019. Um, it was my first start. I, it was a bit of an unknown situation for me because at that point in time, I played linebacker my freshman year. I was, I split time during that with an older guy and then they moved me to offense to running back and I split time for two seasons with an older guy as well. He graduates. It's now, you know, the position's open, um, you know, and I was going to fall right back into that same spot where I was going to be a rotational guy, you know, but I wasn't the guy yet. And, you know, I just, I, I just, it didn't sit well. I just, I struggled with it. I was just like, what, What's the, what's the problem? Like, you know, and, you know, I finally, I worked my tail off. I finally got the opportunity to get my first start at Missouri state. Um, and I broke the, my, and my first start ever in college. I broke the, uh, school record for rushing yards in a game, longest touchdown run of all time. I set a conference record for most yards in a game. How, wait, how Long, many yards
1: are like, you talking in this game? Uh, 221 <laughs> and, 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 and you scored?
2: yeah I think I had two touchdowns on I think it was eleven touches
1: and what was the the long the long run that became that was record setting
2: eighty five yards
1: <laughs> wait so you do so essentially you do have your four touchdowns in one game at Paul Kai moment I mean that's a pretty yeah, epic I mean, day was,
2: you, I broke free I could have scored I mean if you watch the tape I broke free like four or five times in the open field I scored on two of them I got tripped up on the other one um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, mean, so I was I was right there, you know.
1: So it was just one of those days where everything was just going. It was yeah, just it
2: was just clicking for me. I was having a, a career day. It was just like finally my moment where, like, the coaches, my coaches and staff knew I could do this. You know, everyone that was around me knew that I was capable of doing something like this, but we were just waiting for it, and then boom, it, it finally happened, and it was just like, you know, and the rest, the season that I had after that game just spoke for itself I and mean, it just continued it was a snowball effect
1: wow well I, I i get now how you were able to have some closure when it was time and it's it's interesting to me that you the whole time you're doing this in the back of your mind you're thinking i mean one day i'm going to be a pro wrestler i'm, I'm going to be like my dad you, no you knew it
2: no doubt i uh, i just you know i had like this mindset or this vision that like that was my dream and like Like nothing was going to stop me from doing it. You know what I mean? Like I I was just so hungry and hell bent on doing that. Like, you know, like I used to speak it into existence. I'm going to be a WWE superstar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just uh, one of those things where like I, I set my mind to it and like, just, I wasn't going to be stopped.
1: Well, it's, it's working out uh, pretty well so far. I know you got a dip in a second. And of course, the big match Tuesday night against Seth Rollins. You mentioned, we we just talked about that game and what it felt like um, to just be in the zone. Have you, have you had a moment like that yet in WWE? Or is that moment, that day still to come?
0: You know,
2: I think it's still to come. Even with the things that I've accomplished thus far, um, I think Tuesday night is going to be my moment. You know, because... Seth Rollins is, like you said, the best in the world. He's the best going today. He's a world heavyweight champion. He's done everything. Been on top for 10 years, right? So if you look at it, nobody thinks I can do it. Nobody thinks I I can beat him. No. Right?
1: They're doubting.
2: Everybody's, all the experts and whoever else wants to say, nobody thinks I can beat Seth. And that's the beauty of it because that's what's going to drive me. I know that. I'm smart enough to know that no, everybody's doubting me, and that Seth is too big time for me, and all this garbage. It's, I love it, I love it, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it from everybody on Tuesday night, and and everyone's gonna go, oh my god, you know, it's
1: it's gonna be one of one of those one of those moments, like the 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 Daniel Bryan moment, uh, the, the, yeah. these these moments that shocks the world. Well, this is the opportunity we'll have. Uh, on Tuesday night on USA. Pleasure getting to talk to you for the first time. I'm sure we'll do it many times down the road. Uh, Congratulations on everything so far, bro.
0: Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, thank you to Braun Breaker and all the
1: good folks at WWE for making that happen. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. He's a, he seems like a great guy. He really does. And I think he's right. I think what he said about him uh, being a bad guy now is a really, really good place to be. That is where a braun breaker should be. Babyface braun is not what anyone needs. You know? It's sort of like babyface braun. I don't need babyface braun or babyface braun. I want bad guy both. Um, how about we do a little of this? m m m m m m m mail Where do I start? So many messages from the last few days. All right. How about Alex, who says, uh, "Pete Dip Sug"? I appreciate all the time you put into making the podcast so great. I'm a Peter guy until you let me until you tell me to call you Pete. I think that's a courtesy. You can call me Pete, bud. I've been thinking about one of the main differences in WWE now versus the WWF product we grew up with and loved. With the exception of MVP and Paul Heyman, there is a significant lack of managers in WWE. When Heenan, Jimmy Hart. Classy Freddie Blassie, Slick, lush Shani V, Captain Lou, etc. were on TV. It created opportunities for talent development and opportunities for stories. Many times the managers were the story. Heenan versus the Ultimate Warrior, for example. With the emphasis on NXT and main roster call-ups, I can't help but think WWE is missing opportunities to develop talent with continuing to have mentors when they hit the main roster, but also missing out on re-engaging some legends who the crowd would pop big for. Think if LA Knight had someone like Heenan to work with now. On another note, well, I mean, that would be a tough one to pull off at this point. Uh, on another note, I do appreciate you all. As an over 40 lawyer who still follows wrestling, the pod is a great outlet on not just wrestling, but life in general. I'm not sure if you've all had this as you hit 40 or in Dip's case, approach 40. Uh, SGG2, he's not 40 either. But I found that my friend circle shrinks and I lose acquaintances and focus more on those closest to me. As I hit midlife, I tend to focus on the relationships that are meaningful. I was thinking about this due to Peter's dilemma with wedding invites. I think you should invite those that you know in 10 years will still be in your life. Peter, you'll be 53 in 10 years. If you can't see them being in your life at 53, they don't make the cut for the wedding. Thanks again, Alex. It's a good call, Alex. And speaking of the uh, aforementioned wedding, Natalie just walked in. Natalie? Natalie? you think i'll be in your life in 10 years no yeah that's why i'm not going <laughs> no i don't know maybe you're a maybe you're abs. you're the definition of a maybe how can we know troy yeah do you b- i don't know you don't know you uh, troy do you keep anyone in your life for 10 years oh yeah i don't know if i believe you <laughs> You're you're too transient. Anyways, Natalie can't hear you. Let's see if she can hear me. Can you hear me?
3: I could hear you. Ooh, I could hear myself.
1: There she is. Well, you didn't you didn't hit your pop your catchphrase. Oh,
3: hey guys, did you miss me?
1: <laughs>
3: that's that's
1: Natalie's equivalent of, um, you know what you are. I'm gonna tell you, you're a deadbeat dad. Oh,
3: my favorite. And and you know every time he's about to say it, I just like my I get goosebumps every time. Like I I get so excited. I love it every time. It's never going to get old.
1: I'm I'm going to tell him this. Like I know he knows it's his catchphrase, but I'm curious if he like knows it's like does he no, know he knows but like they've only done it a couple times what do
3: you mean he says dead be dead all the time about ray right
1: and now he said it about cody right but like is it- i wanted to keep going
3: that's why i loved it when he said it to cody because it was like
1: no no you know what i dream of what I-, I want him to one day feud with someone who doesn't have kids but just like has a dog <laughs> now, Yeah it could be me right and he's like i was on your instagram peter i saw the kind of food you give bear <laughs> I wouldn't feed that to a rat. You know why? Because you're a deadbeat dad, a deadbeat dog dad. Wow! I want him to just keep going. That's amazing. You took the boys outside.
3: I did. How'd that go? It's about to rain, so figured I'd do it right now before it.
1: Gets you look to exceptionally it. beautiful
3: today. I know. <laughs> Are you feeling it? Just kidding. I just—I had my makeup done yesterday. I had my hair done. You know, a little so you're wedding f- prep. So I'm feeling good. You're
1: feeling good in spite of the fact that you were worked by the wet, uh makeup artist, and he Comple- completely, completely frauded you out of money. Frauded
3: me, but you know what? It felt good. You still enjoyed it. It was fun. So, so, but just—you know—when you walk down 42nd Street. And multiple men are just howling at you? No, I don't. It literally, I'm not even, ma- I'm not even, ju- like, howling. You
1: Wait, you were getting
3: ow. I was getting multiple owls everywhere. Now, even
1: though that's creepy, you still enjoyed it?
3: It, you know, I've... It's, or were or you, you so dressed cre- up?
1: Were you so dressed up and... Because, lo- like, you were wearing a dress...
3: I was cover I was wearing like a suit top. This is the suit top one. The dress was here in the upper west side, which is interesting too, because you know the dress that I, I'm wearing is like has a lot of sequence and stuff like that. And a lot of pe and this is a being in the upper west side, there's a lot of older people. It's an older demographic. How dare you? It's true. Okay. Um, so everybody that was uh stopping me, they were older and they loved the dress because it reminded them of like nineteen twenties fashion. Oh, really? Yeah. And they were saying that? Yeah, yeah, they were saying that. I had a few people say that.
1: So, the point is because you were dressed up and you felt good, you didn't mind creepos in Times Square saying,
3: "I'm used to the creepos." Ow. I mean, it, the, it, that's why I like wearing, you know, sweatpants and t-shirts and just I don't really love being the center of attention. It's fun once in, in a Even though you want to
1: be on the podcast every time there's an opportunity?
3: I, I, the people love me, babe. <laughs> The Cheap Heat universe loves me.
1: So it's not that you love hearing your own voice?
3: I mean, that's just a bonus.
1: (laughs) But you're just doing this for the people, more so. I'm doing this for the people because I
3: love the people. Yeah, wow. Every every time I go to a Cheap Heat event, everyone shows me love and I appreciate it. Wow. And it's such a good time, good energy, good vibes, good people. You know, like, so I want to be a part of that.
1: Uh, that's really cool. Do you, I should
3: be a part of that.
1: Well, you are a part of it. What do you mean?
3: I, I need to do this more often.
1: As well. see, so so every time you're on,
3: put me on the payroll, Peter.
1: You're just always trying to get more. By the way, you're you don't you're not on the payroll. You literally control the payroll. Facts. And and by the way, don't become Dipperstein. Who will never? Don't worry, he won't hear this because he's not on the episode. He <laughs> only listens if he's on. Smart man. It, isn't that crazy? No, no, no. It's, not, it's smart. Okay, I guess. It's not useful though. SGG, for example, will hear this. Shout out right. to that guy, Greg. Because SGG doesn't listen to the Greg. Tuesday episodes because he's on it. He listens to the Friday episodes so he knows what's going on. Right. Dipperstein, no. He is showing up to hear Dipperstein. Oh my God, you think you get excited when you hear yourself in the headphones. I dip gets visibly excited.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa.
1: Pause. <laughs> All right, let's read a couple emails. mail um philip writes us and says hey guys just wanted to write in on a couple topics first you guys have talked a bit about booking the next leg of the bloodline storyline walk with me for money in the bank we get a tag match between the usos and roman and solo with the narrative leading up uh being mistrust between jimmy and jay however during the match missteps such as an errant superkicks uh, such as Aaron Superkicks between the Usos and a mistimed spear from Roman to Solo leave the entire bloodline in disarray. Over the next few weeks we get Roman and Paul trying to get Solo back on board, ending with Solo hitting Roman with a spike and the Usos continue their own internal issues and have various run-ins with Solo and Roman. This leads us to the main event at SummerSlam, a fatal four-way Roman versus Jay versus Jimmy versus Solo. At that point, you've got nothing but great booking options. I'd personally go with Heyman turning on Roman to manage solo. So out of SummerSlam, you can get a solo versus Roman rivalry and maybe a Jay and Jimmy rivalry that can lead to some gimmick matches and maybe some flip flopping of the title to keep things interesting in the fall before you can somewhat reset around the rumble for a mania stretch. I will tell you this right now, Philip, we get a lot of suggestions. And I'm, I'm honestly not a good booker. I, I do not come up with creative ideas for booking. I know my limitations. I a fatal four-way is interesting. Seeing Roman, Solo, Jay, and Jimmy all in one match, that screams like 2000, 2001 WWE.
3: I mean, didn't you say that when we were watching the other day? That that would be a great idea too? No. I thought you mentioned that. Thanks
1: for trying to put me over, babe. But no, a fatal four-way? I don't think so. No. Oh. Otherwise, I wouldn't find it so novel right now. Second, I want to briefly vent about the IWC. Let me explain to Natalie, guys, because she's not a loser, like all of us. The IWC stands for the Internet Wrestling Community. Ooh. It is a term that is used a lot. It is a dirt, d- very dorky term. I'm not proud of it, but it's a word everyone uses. Um, since I know you guys have taken some heat, pun intended, from them over the past few weeks regarding AW. The toxicity and tribalism of the IWC make me feel like a 12-year-old again who is embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. I've learned not to read the comments on any wrestling post, but this contingent that seemingly hates everything that isn't in the Tokyo Dome is just exhausting. Not to mention the often racial and misogynistic undertones that many of them and some, quote, journalists in the group looking at you, Meltzer, that's not me, that's the writer saying that, have – I will never forget the shame I felt at the 25th anniversary of raw hearing someone yell at Mandy Rose of all people to lose weight. I know we are the sane calm folks who just enjoy the art of professional wrestling and sports entertainment and it is meant just to ignore them, but I wish they'd all just get into something else like men's volleyball and bring their toxicity over there. Third, I just want to thank you, Peter, for being so open at times about your divorce and your journey in this new chapter with Natalie. I've gone through my own divorce in the last two years, and it can feel incredibly isolating as I'm surrounded by happily married friends with kids and white picket fences. Examples like yours publicly seem few and far between. Listening to you talk about that has given me optimism and hope That And the rest of the pod have given me incredible distraction during a difficult couple of years. For that, I'm very grateful. Wish you the best on the wedding and hope all three of you stay mage best. Phil from Seattle, formerly from Harlem. Harlem, Harlem. Um, Phil, I, first of all, loved your booking idea. Second of all, sincerely appreciate what you said. And I do promise steps are currently being taken. Actual physical steps are being taken on the podcast that I'm going to do about all these life things because I really... It's not like I'm doing that for you, though I really appreciate it. I'm not one of those people like Natalie who just came in and says she does it for the people and is lying because she's doing it for herself. I'm honest, and I'm here to tell you the truth. I, I want to do the podcast for myself. I think it'll feel great for me. The real awesome benefit of that is that it seems like talking about these things helps other people. And like this week, for example, I stupidly ended up in a ridiculous Twitter kerfuffle, because I felt the need to talk shit about Craig Carton for the thousandth time in my life. I just had a great conversation with my therapist about it, who really, he offered something. I said to Paul, I said, you know what? Sometimes, Paul, you say jack shit. You really brought it today. That was really, really good. What did he say? I'll just tell everything. What the hell do I care? Um, <laughs> I was saying that I, you know, one of the things that upsets me about this person is that I believe he uses the 12-step program as an excuse, but really doesn't look like he's grown in any real way. And Paul explained to me, A, I don't necessarily know that that's true, just because I see his public perception, his public person, even though I do know. But I don't. Um, and he said, furthermore, instead of viewing it that way, why don't you sort of view it through the lens of how to make yourself be better in your program? Like, he was like, for example, do you think people could judge every time you're on the air? Could people judge? Oh my gosh, Peter's really improved. He's become a better person. Like he's really made strides. And I was like, definitely not. There are definitely people who hear me and still think I'm the exact same person. And I regularly make mistakes. So essentially he was saying, instead of looking at how someone else's program may be flawed, why don't you just put that onto yourself and view it through that lens? He said it way better though. Right. You don't look inspired, but it was really good.
3: I mean, it's, you never want to look at what other people are doing. Like, f*** Craig and his bullet like...
1: Babe, we can't overcurse. F-bombs? I mean, I dropped an S, but you don't have to drop F it or
3: something. Troy, bleep know. her
1: F. She's an animal. Sorry. Um, no, but it, he, he, he said it in a way that was really, really good in terms of, like, just viewing, the, viewing this as an opportunity for me to do better. So So no one, el- so no one else would perceive me that way. Right. If I don't like that it seems that way about him, I don't even know if that's true about him, but I know I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be that person. Um, and he was good. He, Paul was good today in general. And we spent a lot of time on it, but I say all of this nonsense about therapy to say to you guys that I really do enjoy and I need it. And, and I was saying to Paul earlier that like, I really wanted to like go on social media again and express my feelings about this whole thing. And because I, I forget that when I tweet, people see the tweet. And because this tweet has gotten interaction and because these awful, hateful people want to comment on it so much, it now just keeps getting viewed more and more and more. And then I, a lot of bots too. Then it brings out the bots. Everyone who's commenting has six numbers after their name. Jimmy, 3285, Bronx bomber fan, eleven fourteen twenty nine thirty. 14, 29, 30. Um, so I'm getting a ton of messages because of that. And it made me want to go out there and say something. Cause I get, I realize I don't care that much about this subject, but because I decided to say something and because that tweet is so active, now other people are seeing it. I mean, it's gotten that stupid tweet.
3: It's like half a million views.
1: It's, it's over half a million views and has 756 comments, 90% negative. And then this morning I decided to tweet cause I was feeling really good. I woke up feeling good, it's Friday vibes. And I said, um, yesterday I spent a lot of energy on people who have wronged me in the past. Today I feel energized and ready to enjoy today and the future. Letting go of resentments is hard work, but I will keep trying, happy Friday. And I realized that got seen by a good amount of people. That got 73,000 people who saw it. Right. So I get tweets from wonderful people who care about me, like, hey man, you good? And I realized I'm like, oh, I forget people see Twitter. Right. Like, I just say the words like it disappears. But no, people see it. Right. And it made me feel a little embarrassed, and like I wanted to clear it up. And then I thought, you know, I won't clear it up with, publicly and draw more attention to it. I'll talk to my friends in the Cheap Heat Universe. These, it's Friday something. These are the these are my people. <laughs> oh, this is something. They, they, there's this something going on, and today I get to talk with you guys and Bron Breaker, who, like I said, was a great guy. Um. So yeah, I do really appreciate all of you every week for listening to this Friday show and the Tuesday show, of course. Um, and really appreciate all of you guys who, who send emails. Uh, do I have time to hit one more mail because of my quest to never stop doing stuff. I have to go on my friend's radio show in a second. Uh, Tom sent us an email. It says Cody is losing to Dom and I can't read your whole thing and give it the proper time it deserves. Um, he said, the other day on the t- on the pod, the three of you talked about it like it's a foregone conclusion that Cody will mow through Dominic at Money in the Back. Bank, I think Dom is a sure thing to win after interference from both the Judgment Day and Brock Lesnar. Here's why. Dom is such a hateable character because he takes credit for things he hasn't done, like becoming a hardened criminal, and overinflates his successes while hiding behind the people who made his success possible. Can you imagine how insufferable he'll be if he acts like getting a cheap victory over Cody was a clean win. He can spend the next few weeks saying I beat Cody Rhodes. Show me some respect over an epic chorus of booze. In a couple of weeks, I beat Cody Rhodes Morph I beat Cody Rhodes, the guy who beat Seth Rollins three times. I deserve a title shot. First amused, then annoyed, then angry. Seth grants him a match at SummerSlam, and we get a payoff in the interaction they had a couple weeks back. Finn or Priest can swing that match for Rollins. Officially beginning a war that with the remaining members of the Judgment Day. Uh, by the way, I like it. He says the flip side of the coin is Cody. Let's face it, Cody's a made guy already. He's the babyish face, baby face of this era. A loss to Dom won't hurt him, and Brock's interference in his Money in the Bank match will only reheat their rivalry. And once Cody beats Brock in Detroit, losing to Dom in controversial fashion will be a more, mere footnote in a larger story. What are your T's? Keep up the good work. Congrats on the wedding. All the best to you and Natalie, Tom. Love it. Another one I love. God, we have smart listeners here. Love you people. Another great booking idea. You're right. Why not have Dom beat Cody? What's the harm? He is the most babyface of these baby people. Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. I do also want to say to those of you who listen to the Friday something and for whatever reason, enjoy the ramblings of my life. I do do another podcast that probably has much more rambling about my life called one Epp is Life. And you may have thought, I don't want to listen to Juan Epp before because it's a hip hop podcast. But that's sort of like thinking Cheap Heat's just a wrestling podcast. There are episodes that are very hip hop where we interview guests and it's very hip hoppy. But week to week, particularly on our Patreon episodes, but even on regular episodes, Scythe and I talk about everything, including a lot about like real life stuff, sad things getting through things. Saif and I both have such ego problems, so we talk about them endlessly. Anyways, if you never listen to Juan Eppa's life, go subscribe. I think you will enjoy it. Natalie, do you have anything to say to your minions?
3: I love you guys. Take care. Have a wonderful weekend.
1: Are you feeling good? By the way, three... Wait,
3: I have another one. And I'll see you soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you guys saw the face that she just gave me, of satisfaction, like she just came up with an incredible catchphrase. That's
3: kinda good, no? Come on, tell and me
1: the truth. I'll see you soon. That's nothing. That's, that's just
3: words people say. No, no, no. The way I said it, miss the way me? I deliver it. Try
1: it again, try it again. I'll
3: see you soon. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just sounds like you're ending a phone call.
1: She's so proud of herself. Oh, babe. You're very, very cute. All right, everyone. Uh Troy, thank you. Shouts to Braun Breaker. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you guys Tuesday. Have a great right, weekend, guys, weekend and stay mage. Get a room. Wrestler
0: in the history of the art form. Mage.